In this podcast, we will be critiquing an interview of Jordan Peterson as he provides discourse on global pandemics, totalitarianism, the responsibility of the state, and theological ethics. We will be asking the question, is Jordan Peterson dangerous? Also, how is rhetoric, logical fallacies, the power of inflammatory language used to influence the individual? How is this perpetrated through social media? And how can you best protect your mind from the toxicity that permeates the current consciousness? Enjoy. Welcome to the Examine Life podcast. So today we're going to talk about the dangers of Jordan Peterson and the problem with rhetoric in modern day society. So what we're going to do, I'm going to play this video. Let's listen to it. And then Alan and I are going to pick it to pieces or just give our opinions. And then let's see what we think about it. And let's see if we can talk about what is the problem with this type of rhetoric in society. How's that? I said the dangers, of, the dangers of his rhetoric, not the dangers of him. Right. Or well, yeah. Or well, the mm. dangers of rhetoric in society, like, or maybe like people it, like him. His position in the world and who he can control. Because if you look at the, the comment section under it, it's all like, he's a God. Thank God for this genius and things like that. It's a bit overwhelming. Well, I shouldn't ask you this, but I will because it's fun. How do you see Jordan Peterson as an individual? Is he someone that's benefiting society? Is he someone that's con contributing? Or is he someone that's kind of causing more polemic debate and, and, and more division? Just generally. Sure if I showed up to, I'm sure if I showed up to his office with my 500 bucks in hand for a, a psycho psychology, psychological evaluation, maybe he's very worthwhile. But I think he's, his social platform is quite dangerous, quite, yeah schismatic in society splitting us apart do you don't think he's a he's a force for good basically no not at all not at all i think he's quite i think he's picked a side and he's he's kind of he's like a seat a sleeper cell he's pretending like he's not on on the one side but he every every year you kind of watch him he's always he doesn't believe in god he doesn't believe in god now he's a, he's a force for christianity and things like that and he's he's obviously becoming more right wing and you know, I, I am, I guess I'd say more leaning left wing, but I prefer to say center, if anything, or and nothing. You know, I'd rather be a nihilist than anything. But Jordan Peterson would say I'm going to a concentration camp in that case. I think Jordan Peterson is, is he's extremely well studied, academic, bright man. Uh, he's obviously very well versed in, you know, multiple disciplines. But I think ultimately, you know, he's a, he's a psychologist, you know, a brilliant clinical psychologist i think he's he's a brilliant he's brilliantly educated he's a very strong orator orator he's a very strong um speaker you know he, he's got lots of wisdom i think the fame that he's gotten um to put him in this public spotlight i think i think he's still learning how to deal with that in a way that i don't know i think he's still learning from that and i think i think he makes some mistakes and i think he says things that he shouldn't say and i think I think he's not always aware of the effect of what he's saying. And I think he's not always aware of how people misconstrue his words, but I think he's, he's a brilliant mind, obviously. Um, but I think he's extremely biased and I think it's okay to be biased. Uh, but I think you need to be aware that you're biased. And I think he's a, he's a great educator, but as an educator, we tend to be, we tend or educators tend to give their perspective a, a, as a force of good and try to make the world a better place. But I think he could be a better philosopher if he was more open 
and perhaps, you know, maybe not quite as sure of himself as with certain issues and, and a little bit more empathetic or understanding or, or kind of considerate. I don't know. I feel like he's missing something really important, if that makes sense. Objective. Mm, objective. Yeah, an objective point of view. Like, I would consider Jordan Peterson as someone that's very influential. People see him as a philosopher, but I, can't, I don't think it's wise to be a philosopher and say that my way is the right way and everything else is wrong, I think. That's my first main argument. I think that Jordan Peterson has trouble not doing that. I think that, you know, maybe he's dealing with, he's used to dealing with young people. So he's used to dealing with 20 year olds at university. And he's, he's like, this is the way, this is the way psychology is taught. But ultimately when you're talking about philosophy or you're talking about government policies, or you're talking about COVID, you know, whatever you're talking about, there are the different lenses and depending on what lens you're coming from will depend on how you decide to tackle that, you know, that, that issue and what you prioritize uh, and who you prioritize and how much humanity you put into that situation instead of just saying, well, you know, it's all about the budget or it's all about the economy, right? So we're not going to care about the human aspect, but, or it's all about the humanity. We're not going to care about the economy, you know? So that's what I feel. Yeah, I'm done. I'm not in the best state of mind to um, really argue, so I probably better keep quiet for most of this. Otherwise, well, let, well, let's too objective myself. Well, let's. <laughs> I think it's okay to, to have a go at him. I think let's let's listen. I'm going to. to what, I'm going to say to my any listeners. Um, don't take what I say as you know sacrosanct. It's kind of like just I'm in a bit of a weird state of mind, so I might lash it out here and there. And I might say a few silly things. So generally, I try to be objective. Um, I am a bit biased towards Jordan Peterson and this particular topic, um, but let's see how we go here. Okay. Well, let's play a little bit of the clip and then you tell me, Alan, when you want to pause it and then you, when you want to say something. And it's called Jordan Peterson finally shares his views on the pandemic, on COVID. Okay. So that's the context of the video. So I should say that. So I'm going to play this. Alan, you tell me when you want me to stop and then we'll, we'll, you know, we'll get into his arguments and see what logical fallacies, if any, does he present? Playing Jordan Peterson. Well, we'll see with regard to the pandemic because although in some sense it is in some ways over, our reaction to it is by no means over. And part of the reason that we overreacted, I would say so precipitously to it, is that we were unprepared for such things in our naivety. And then we rushed to imitate a totalitarian society in the immediate aftermath of the pandemic emergence. And that's something that everybody should think about a lot. And we're not done with all that totalitarian nonsense yet. A lot of that's driven by, well, fear and naivety. I mean, 50% of Democrats in the United States believe you have a 50% chance of being hospitalized with COVID and 25% of Republicans believe the same thing. And you can point a finger at people and laugh at their ignorance, but you should really ask, well, why is this overestimate? All right, I gotta stop it right there. <laughs> you know, like, what do you have to say, man? Uh, pretty disappointed already, you know, talking about throwing us into a dictatorship through a, through a pandemic. It's, if you know your history of pandemics, it's kind of what happens, you know, if, if oh, oh, any kind of epidemic pandemic, in general, something happens, the government has to kind of step in and force people to sort of be law-abiding, beautiful citizens so that they don't infect the people around them. You have a sense of 
duty to the people around you. I, f- I forget the guy's name, but the the, one, the, the first guy that kind of, in, he kind of come up with um, epidemiology. It was about typhus or typhoid. And he had to, he had to go run around the streets of, um, of, of England, of London, to find out where this outbreak of typhus was. And he, it was the first like lot map that they ever decided they, they ever, ever deciphered where he had a map and he'd map where everyone was getting sick. And he found there was this little section on this map where everyone was getting sick. And he's going, what's happening with this section of the map? Why is everyone getting sick there? And he goes, there's a, there's a water, there's a well there. We're going to go to that well and we're going to dismantle it. We're taking that handle off that well and no one is drinking from that well. So he's saying that's dictatorship. No one could drink from that well because they were dying from that fucking well. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'm disappointed as well because I, I know Jordan Peters, maybe Jordan Peterson's coming from a place where the politics in Canada is, is really pissing him off. And maybe he feels like the Canadian government has overstepped it. And I, I agree in the sense that the government's responses are very reactive and then they're not preventative, right? That's sure. he, he's pretty obviously that's a that's a fair statement. But to say that we're at a, you know, the government's turned into a democratic capitalistic governments turn into a totalitarianism or uh, autocratic type government, I think, yeah, I think that's bullshit. You know, like if people were responsible enough you know, I understand, let's say there's some listeners out here that don't want to be vaccinated. But I, I think that if most people were educated about the vaccines, and most people looked at the data, or looked at the evidence, most people would want to be vaccinated, right? And I think if we took the fear away, and that it didn't breed from social media, we wouldn't have this issue with um, anti-vaxxers and the, this polemic divide and conquer type discourse that's happening. But I feel like if people were responsible enough to just get vaccinated, social distance, and then ride this out like, um, you know, critical thinkers, the government wouldn't have to implement the type of strategies that they do. But what is it's the intention of the government? What's the intention? The intention of the government is to, to get people vaccinated so they don't end up in hospital. It's not like everyone's had all their rights stripped away. Um, you know, and the governments gave people an opportunity to be vaccinated. And what happens is after a while that people said no, and then they're kind of, they're kind of forced to say, well, we're going to have to coerce people into get vaccinated because if, if less people are doing it, it's, it's, this is going to, it's basically go on forever. So I don't know. I, I just, that type of inflammatory language, I don't think is helpful when I think it's not real. So um, and the stat that he provided straight after that 50% of all Democrats, like, bro, where are you getting that stat from? Mm. What have you interviewed yeah, yeah. the whole country of people? And do you know who all the Democrats mm. are? Have you sat down and spoken to them? And then 50% think, think this way. Like you can't even generalize that amount of, you can't generalize two sides. You can't generalize someone that follows a particular party, number one, because it's all different aspects. And number two, you can't using those You're statistics. Far off. Yeah, using those statistics are, are very, very misleading, I think. But I like to go back to my, this, this is the first case. The guy was called John Snow. John Snow, and he went into, uh, I don't know what town it was, but he was he forced the government to take the handle off, off the well. And here it says, researchers later discovered that the public well had been dug three feet from an old cesspit, which had been 
begun to leak fecal bacteria. The cloth nappy of a baby who had contracted cholera from another source had been washed into the cesspit. Its opening was originally under a nearby house, blah, 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 blah. So this guy, if you want to look up John Snow, you'll see it. And he's the first guy to ever, you know, pinpoint all the deaths in an area. And he figured out where the, the, the main source was, the cluster was. And he, and he figured, if I take the handle off this well, we'll see what happens. And then they went there and he he stopped everyone from dying. And that was before germ theory was an accepted action, an actual as a theory and all the politicians said oh no no it must have just been the breeze that come through and washed it all away no one believed him he died before uh what do, what do you call it he was recognized uh robert Koch and uh louis pasteur kind of proved the theory of germ theory so he was never actually recognized with the, the work that he'd done but he he done something which no one believed would work he 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 took the freedoms away from people because it was drinking water. So they would have had to walk another 10 miles to go get their water. But at the end of the day, he saved a lot of lives. So the government's not, gotta... you can't you can't say that these epidemiologists and virologists have the answers and they're gods, but they know much they know much more than we do. And it's so it's such a complicated situation that I don't want to think about it. I'm sitting here watching with a witcher on Netflix and then I want to have an argument about you know, virology, I don't think I have the ability to do that, you know? Yeah. And the, the, the context and the, and the content, the knowledge. context, yeah. The, expert. the, the expertise the professionalism and the, and the, even the historical context, the depth of, of material to analyze, you know, mm. the governments have got a really strange job. It's like, they want to force people or they want to influence or coerce people to do the right thing, but then they get pushed into this kind of, into a really weird situation where they ha either have to, um, they have to be more aggressive and be more authoritarian, let's say, and say, okay, if you don't We've get vaccinated. Yeah, if you don't get vaccinated. It's incredible. Well, you know, if We've you seen the, the, the point is, we're talking about epidemiology and virology. We've pretty much seen the whole world play out every scenario possible. Some countries don't get vaccinated. Some countries go over vaccination. Sure. Some, some countries let people go out to work. Some people keep people at home. Some people pay people to do nothing, you know. So everyone's trying everything they possibly can. It's not like there's one totalitarian regime which is taking over the world. Yeah, and it's it's like I haven't got the statistics and data to prove one way or the other, but it's mm. I would I would assume it's pretty basic that the countries with high vaccination rates, you know, would keep people out of out of hospital, the majority of people out mm. of hospital, and keep people um, that would have higher survival rates, right? I think that's be the case. Pretty pretty basic scientific mm. evidence, right? There's billions mm -hmm. of people on the planet. I think a billion people are vaccinated uh, roughly. I'm, I'm just guessing. Maybe we should re Google that. Um, but, you know, yeah, the government, yeah, the governments are in a tough situation. They either go, well, we need to coerce you in a way so that it's for your own good, or we don't coerce you. And then more people suffer because they're not educated enough or they're filled with fear to, to not make that decision and then end up in hospital. And there is kind of the government's stuck in the middle. Sorry. Yeah, and there's they are, and it's it's kind of like I understand the argument. I understand why people think that the government shouldn't meddle in their lives and shouldn't tell you what to do. And you know, people like Joe Rogan talk a lot about that when the government get um, rights. You know, if if they earn, if they somehow can take away privileges or freedoms, they don't generally like to give them back. They they keep them right, um, and it it can become an abuse of power. But when it's for the greater good of humanity, you know, sometimes sometimes a little bit of coercion for the greater good is like, man, my daughter was born and literally in Colombia, like the same day, they, they 
jab jabbed her with vaccinations. They didn't say, can we vaccinate her? They, they- I did not realize to go on that point. I was going, I was trying to find my vaccinations and I found Mickey's, my four-year-old's vaccinations online. He's got over 20 vaccinations. That's right. And That's that right. is just accepted. Everyone just accepts that. There's no yeah. problems with that. Measles, mumps, rubella, tuberculosis, uh, hepatitis, whatever the fuck you want to say. He's got them all, you know, smallpox. I don't need to do smallpox anymore, but he's had, I saw a list 20 going, holy shit. I almost I, shit myself looking at right. that. Right. We my, accept it. We accept it. No questions. Same with my daughter. When she was two months old, she had three injections and there was nine different vaccinations and she has to go back in, uh, go back in four months and six months, a year, and then two years and get the same cocktail of shots. Right. I was speaking to a guy that come over from South Africa and he had to get 20 vaccines to get in the country. So being from South Africa, he's already had his 20, 30 vaccines to live in that country, but to come into our country, he had to get another 20, 30 again. So, you know, and, we, and like you said, we don't even blink about it. Right. So, I don't know. Like, I just don't understand. And the thing that's disappointing about Jordan Peterson, what's, you know, like, I think later on, he argues that it should be theology. It should be the responsibility of the individual. And I agree with that too, but you know, I, I, I I don't understand what's going on. What's a virus. You tell me what a virus is. Why don't we listen? If if, if I can perform open heart surgery on myself, maybe then I'll, then I'll have my own fucking, (laughs) Well, okay. Well, I'll tell you what I mean by that comment is that, that, you know, ultimately, you know, that one way of dealing with this, if you don't want to coerce people to be vaccinated, you can allow the vaccine to be available for everybody that wants it. And the people that don't, they can decide not to be vaccinated if they they feel threatened or they feel their liberties are taken away or they don't feel comfortable with the technology um, and they feel like they're going to be microchipped or whatever. And then when the virus spreads around, if they get it and they're okay, they're great. If they get it and they're, they're not okay, well, they have to live with that consequence. That's the onus That's is on the, ind- the individual. But once we're at the point where all the vulnerable people are vaccinated, everybody that wants the vaccine should be uh, is able to get vaccinated. Then I believe that there should be no restrictions for the everyday person to just contribute and, and carry on with their lives. We've been in this pandemic for two years. You know, it's getting a little bit ridiculous and we're still masking up in, in Colombia where everybody's got masks on, everybody's scared of the virus. You know, when is this going to stop? You know, if you're, if you're double vaxxed, if you're double vaccinated, all right, now we even have the booster shot. Like if you don't want to be vaccinated, fine, it's on you, but like, let's fucking move on. You know, it's, it's just ridiculous. So if the government doesn't want to coerce those people, then, you know, that's, that's fine with me. If the government does, well, to be honest, that's fine with me too. Uh, if they want to, and then people can, can, can rebel about it if they want, but I don't know. I I'd, I'd, actually, I'll, I'll take that back. I think that I don't believe that people should be coerced into, into vaccinations. I believe that it should come back to the individual, you know, and maybe if they um, weren't, maybe if they were in, in, in Australia, you're not coerced. It's just like, as soon as we hit a peak of 90% vaccinations, then shit's going to open up and we're all going to be able to have fun. But those 10% of people who don't get vac- vaccinated, they're not going to have the same freedoms as everyone else. And that's kind of seen as a totalitarian kind of concept. But that's definitely coercion because you're taking away someone's liberties mm. and rights because- they- But eventually, mm. but eventually then you'll, you know, everything will open up and then everyone will have the freedom to do everything. But yeah, because yeah. that's an indirect way of punishing someone. Ultimately, it's an indirect way of punishing someone. It's like, oh, you can choose. It's like, you know, a student say, oh, you can choose not to do any work in my class, but when you get your grade, you're going to get a failing grade. Like, it's not really a choice. It's 
or it's a choice, but the, you know, it's not really an equitable outcome for the, for the individual, because it's like, oh, really the, the choice would be you, you know, you can choose to be vaccinated or not. And there's no restriction and we respect your decision as a government and as a society, but it's not like that. Same thing as people say, like, you know, I choose not to stop at red, red lights. It's like, <laughs> I have a social, social responsibility. I didn't feel like stopping at that red light because it's, it, you know, goes against my constitution. How dare you fucking force me to do that? Well, that's the argument. The government's that- taking too much control away from me, from yeah. me. It's yeah. all about the individual. Well, that's I think Jordan argument. Peterson's going too far into the individual side, you know, if he's not thinking enough on the uh, population, the, the community. Right. And that's a good argument is, is the, is, do we have a social responsibility to be vaccinated or, or adopt yes. any type of behavior for the, the overall collective? If you go back through history, we're lucky we didn't go through the, the, the 1918 or 1919 Spanish flu. We're lucky we didn't go through that. Mm. You know, could you imagine if those guys came back today and said, oh, you guys are complaining about walking around wearing masks. Oh, poor you. Or think of the people back in the fifties that had to go through the, the, the poliomyelitis kind of, um, influent uh, what do you call it um outbreak you know oh poor you have to wear a mask you know these people you know they 20 million 30 million people died from these um outbreaks and even with polio you know people are crippled for the rest of their lives and, and we're all here whinging because we have to wear a mask we've got a fucking shot it's just yeah, it's insane that, that's really like heartbreaking these, these people back have some uh, empathy for these people come back and they'd be going oh yeah 50 million people died yeah oh poor you you know or you you had to do what the government told you to do we would have done anything to fucking save our fucking loved ones oh 100 percent. look look at this from wikipedia spanish flu also known as the great influenza epidemic in the 1918 influenza pandemic was an exceptionally deadly global influenza pandemic caused um blah blah blah, blah. million yeah it says that 500 million people had been infected infected estimate of deaths ranges from 17 million to 50 million and possibly as high as 100 million and it's that's a misnomer calling it the spanish flu i don't think it came from i think america America, yeah it might have yeah america yeah so that was a bit but it also had a higher mortality rate so it's not the best kind of you know thing to compare to but still but, um, but, it didn't have the same mortality rate it had a much higher mortality rate but all i'm saying is if these people all they had to do was wear masks and fucking survive stay home for a couple of fucking years they wouldn't be complaining no that that's right and it, it's obviously it does have a, a much higher mortality rate but the thing is is that we didn't have a way of protecting ourselves and i think mm. even then they started to wear you know they started to wear masks and it became mandatory and they they they, they started to mandate that. But, you know, you about think polio. about it. Well, I'm saying that if you think about that, if you're in the Spanish flu in 1918 and, and someone, you know, people are dying around you and then someone offered you a vaccine, someone offered you to be inoculated, someone offered you a, a, a prote- protection, you know, would you take it or would you be like, oh, you know, they're controlling my lives, you know? So yeah. that's my main argument. Yeah. But what about polio? Polio is the same thing. Yeah, well, I think, polio smallpox 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 everyone in the world got a smallpox vaccine they wiped out smallpox yeah they wiped the fucking thing out it was devastating the most like you know highest mortality rate of any vaccine uh virus in the world and we just took it we said yeah let's let's all go get a uh, smallpox vaccine because it's gonna save the world they wiped the fucking thing out well my argument is that people are scared look at that 
People are Look at that shit. Yeah. Fuck me. There's a picture yep. here. Are you going to complain? A child with smallpox in Bangladesh in 1973. The bumps filled with thick fluid and dep- um, depression or dimple in the center of characteristic. And the center are characteristic. Yeah, that's um again from Wikipedia, smallpox. You know, it's, you know, I think it's, it's again, like people offer a lot of excuses, but ultimately it's just fear. You know, people say, oh, it's a technology or it's taking away my rights. But ultimately people deep down when they, they sit on that chair and they're ready to be vaccinated, they're like, I'm really scared that this vaccine is going to cause me harm. That's really what it's, what it's, what it's about. And there's, you know, a lot of countries when they saw death and destruction from the virus, they realized, wow, the death and destruction is real. Perhaps I'm more scared of the, the virus than the, the vaccine, right? Or the vaccination. So yeah, I think in our minds, it's really simple. It's just that what do you fear most? Do you fear the vaccine or do you fear, um, do you fear the disease? Should I play a little bit more of this clip? Talk a bit more about Jordan Peterson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. We only got 54 seconds in, so. Of that yeah, magnitude, <laughs> and what does that mean in re- relationship to policy? And I've had conversations with people advising at the highest level of government, in particularly in Canada, who've told me flat out, and they're very reliable sources, that none of the COVID policy for the last LSE. year was driven by reliance on science. It's all opinion poll. And that's really pernicious because, well, who's asking the questions and how did they set up the answer and who's answering and in what emotional state? And so to what degree are we led by considerations of short-term propitiation of unwarranted fear? Well, that's no way for free people to live. It certainly won't work in the long run. We're already seeing tremendous supply chain disruptions and likely the emergence of an inflationary pressure that we haven't experienced since the 1970s in the aftermath of the oil shocks. And none of that has sorted itself out yet. I believe that we will conclude that our response to the pandemic caused more death and misery than the pandemic itself. All right, I'm going to pause it there. What do you have to say, Alan? Where's his, where's his fallacy for that argument? Where's his well, well-known politician that's going to back him up for cause more deaths in relation to the pandemic? How does yeah, that make that, sense? That's, that's beautiful hyperbole right there. It's like, mm. again... He knows yeah. politicians who have you know told me, and I can trust them with their opinion because they told me that it's all based on this, but yeah, I believe it's going to cause more death. Yeah, so, so what's that? That's, um, it, that's ethos, right? Ethos, pathos, logos. You know, that, that's... Yeah, that's ethos in the sense of, oh, I'm, I'm quoting someone that it's knowledgeable about a particular area. So therefore, they said something that's true and I'm saying it. So obviously it's true. You know, they're a politician. But my... It's like Trump in that sense. Yeah. I my, know a guy who knows a lot about this. That's right. And it's like, again, that's, that's you know, there's hyperbole there in the sense of, you know, the, the our response called more deaths than uh, the actual disease. That's ridiculous. The disease is killing people. Our response doesn't really influence how people die or not. We, if we were not, we didn't have a society, the disease would still I think, exist. I, I think he's saying that the supply chain rate, like we're not going to have food on the shelves so people are going to starve to death. That's what he's saying. That's, that's all ridiculous, right? I, I can't mm. see how that's a logical argument. And Maybe in America. Ag- I, but I do agree with what he said about the, the policies were implemented, not based on the da- data and on the science, but based on 
on emotion and based on the politics. No, that's what no, he said that a politician told him that. Yeah, but I but I I think there could be some truth to that, right? You know, I'm not, I think- I'm not, but from what I said before, every every country's tried a different strategy. Some countries didn't implement any vaccine. Some countries implemented herd immunity. Some countries locked things down. It wasn't about polls. It was whatever the government thought was the right thing to do at the time. In Australia, well, we just did what the government said. And some people fucking went mental and rallied on the streets and tried to fight against us. The rest of us kind of went, fuck, this sucks. What are we going to do? You know? Oh, the yeah. government just paid us $2,000 for doing nothing. Not, not a problem. Yeah, but I agree in the sense that it's not, it wasn't based on the science, you know, like based on the science, we knew that. I think it was. It wasn't because the Australian No, it was because because the problem with with viruses is they're happening every year. This isn't the first time we've had a a COVID outbreak. You know, there's the SARS, there's the MERS outbreak. We're just lucky that in our country that we've never come across these kind of things before. If you talk to people in China, they've gone through this three or four times. Right. I agree with that. I'm saying that the, the data, you know, my main argument with Australia is that Australia basically ignored the, the pandemic and put their head in the sound sand until they were forced to kind of take action. So really from the beginning, the data was showing that, yeah, the data was showing that there's a, there's a, there's a pandemic, a worldwide disease, you know, we, we can, we can close the boundary of borders and hope for the best, or we can start preparing ourselves from day one getting vaccines, getting people vaccinated, educate people so that when it comes, people are protected. But they didn't do that. They were, again, they were reactionary. They waited a year. They, they didn't buy vaccines. They said, oh, we're giving it to other people or we're not going to jump to conclusions. They kind of hoped that it would went away. It didn't. That, that's not a response that's based on science and data. And, and anyone could have seen that. Every, you know, all the countries are infected. Why did the Australian government think that our country was any better or, or more protected? Because we're an island. Sooner or later, we're going to have an outbreak. That decision is not based on the science, if you ask me. It was based on the situation at the time. It just seemed like we, we, we got a free card and we weren't getting affected by it. So I get, there, there would have been scientists up there saying, hey, we seem to be, you know, we missed this bullet just like we did back in 2009, 2001 or whatever. Maybe we can we can just hit this one out, but yeah, oh shit, yeah. not didn't work yeah. out exactly. And I think that was a pretty narrow-minded perspective. You know, the other way would have been just to to let people in the country, you know, let people get infected, and then immediately jump on a huge vaccination process. You know, and that would have been unethical, but at least that would have been, I don't know, it would have been I less. What we did well, it took like a year, and the only reason why mm. Austra- you know it happened, the Australian government didn't react until people in Australia got infected by Delta. Um, and Delta mm. came from India, and that's why they put a ban on Indian travelers. And they stopped people traveling from India and traveling into India, and they would be arrested if they, if they land, landed on the ground. They, they, and when Delta came, and you know, Delta, the Delta strain was more contagious, that's when mm. they fucked themselves. And that's when they said, okay, well, all right, we need to do something. You know, so before that, they didn't do anything. That's, that's not a decision that was based on the science. I think that was very, um, you know, that was very reactionary. I think, I think, I think the, 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 governments, the governments there with scientific experts behind them and they're kind of in the middle between going, do we listen to what the scientists say or do we take a middle path, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a hard balance to mm. kind of, it's, it's a tricky balance to make because you've got all these different uh, pushes and pulls um, and you're trying, the thing is, if they would have said to the Australian people, 
let's get vaccinated, uh, encourage everyone to get vaccinations. They could have bought millions of vaccines. People didn't take them. There was no reason to take them. They could have been, you know, it could have gone out of date or they expired. Um, and then they would have lost millions of dollars, which happened in some countries. You know, like I understand it's a tricky situation, but I would always argue that if you educate people, like, you know, I don't, I feel like there's not enough education on the rate, on the radio, on the TV, um, in the newspaper. Can't be enough, really. Yeah, it's such like, a complicated concept. I've, I've been reading about it for a few days and I still have no idea of anything about it, you know? But just allowing people to say, well, you, like you said, you know, we take X amount of vaccines most day, you know, for all of our lives. They're not questioned. Is one more really going to hurt you? Like, is one more vaccine, are you looking at it like a threat or are you looking at it as a, a way of protecting you? You know, like people the way I- are looking at it, the people look at it and they say, oh, it's a new vaccine. They haven't had enough time to study and test it and, you know, see if there's any bad side effects to this particular vaccine. So we don't trust it. That's the, that's the biggest concern, I think. Absolutely. And what I've read is that that technology has been, de- you know, developing and evolving for 20 years. It's not, it's mm. not new technology. They've just not, been able- if not longer. Right. So it's just, it's just another COVID. It's another COVID. It's not. It's it's a new COVID, but it's it's another COVID. There's been COVID's been going on for you know millions of years. Well, it's part of the <laughs> SARS SARS chain. You know the the SARS mm. evolution of viruses, and we've had the mm. SARS for a while now. And um, yeah. So I I think educating people is is really and back in the early two thousands and mid two thousands, as soon as China got the SARS viruses, they made vaccines for it and everyone fucking took it. This is what happened. They didn't they just shut the fuck up and did it. It's kind of when a dictatorial government actually does make sense, you know, when the people have to do what the government says because they're too stupid to fucking <laughs> know what's right for them. My well, personal I, I, rights come first and I'm gonna go to fucking Kmart and buy a chocolate fucking Big Mac or whatever. Well, that's the reality is that people were responsible enough to, to basically take care of themselves. The government wouldn't need to do that, but it's kind of like, mm. it's like wearing seatbelts. Like, you know, it's, it's mandatory mm. to wear seatbelts in a no car. Question that. Yeah. Because, and it was annoying when that law started because it was like, Oh God, I've got to wear my mm. seatbelt. I'm going to get fine. But we know that if you're yeah. wearing a seatbelt and you have an accident, the chances of you living is, is much yeah. higher and you're not getting, you know, it's, it's really for you. It's not for the government. It's for people. Keep people you've out of hospital. You've got to wear a seatbelt. You've got to stick by the speed limits. You've got to stop at red lights. That's against my constitution. Yeah, you got to knock yeah. on your phone. How dare the government do that? Yeah, I think we, that's that's the argument. I'm not allowed to take heroin? Fuck. Well, that's, that's the <laughs> that's awareness. That's the government controlling me. Yeah, it's like, that's the awareness you have when you understand that, you know, with certain collective liberties you know come certain responsibilities otherwise we're going to you know damage ourselves and and damage other people like you can't drive drunk you know you can't drive drive high you know because we know that that kills people right and and it's proven again and again to kill people Mm. well if anything if i had to say something i'd say the government at, at, at least is out for the lobbyists is out for the big companies for the big manufacturers and they want to keep us all healthy and happy so that they've got plenty of workers there to fucking keep their fucking products fucking going through the market you know well it costs a, they don't, they don't want us to die exactly you know like fauci was talking about the 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 um, pandemic and saying that the obama government had like a contingency plan and they had an emergency contingency plan if there was a pandemic but they didn't it wasn't um ex- extrapolated oh, yeah. it wasn't yeah it wasn't developed and um they know that it's what's cheaper to develop a vaccine and get people vaccinated and get keep people healthy or to have you know all the hospitals over the whole country filled full of sick people 
um, deaths and destructions and destructions, yeah, to the economy and families, not to talk about, you know, the, the emotional, that is an economic damage, that economic destruction and a humanitarian destruction that, that it doesn't even, that doesn't even have a price, you know, like imagine losing your mom and dad because they were like, Oh, I didn't have time to get vaccinated. Right. You're going to be, you're going to be traumatized and scar emotionally scarred for the rest of your life because you think that, Oh, maybe if the government had, you know, made it more accessible or if they educated them a bit better, you know, I wouldn't be in this situation where I've, I've lost two of my parents. I'd recommend anyone that's listening to this to go onto Wikipedia and type in list of um, epidemic outbreaks in the past 20 years or throughout history. And if you go through it every year, there is a major epidemic viral outbreak in every country. You know, I'm just yeah. li listening here, like India had black fungus fever, Nigeria had yellow fever, Ebola last year, Lassa fever in 19, dengue fever, measles, 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 Ebola, dengue fever, Japanese encephalitis, cholera, yellow fever, Zika fever, yeah. hepatitis E, hepatitis A, bubonic plague, influenza A, measles, dengue fever. Every year, every year there is a major epidemic from a, from a virus. You know, viruses are actually every, on every surface of every fucking thing on this planet. They, they, they are the dominant species on the planet. Nothing to be fucking, you know, to just throw out the window. Absolutely. Very we, we, we don't understand they, that we are bags of biology and that we, we live on their planet. Right. And we're constantly plagued by diseases, viruses, fungus, um, all sorts of. I want to say one thing. You want to say one thing. When my mom, when my mom died, I didn't think she was going to die sitting around. Everything's going to be good. She's in hospitals, dies of pneumonia. Oh, fuck. People die. Didn't realize that shit happens. We so have shit, take, take shit. Take shit seriously, you know. We're, we're, we're fucking strong. We're immortal until the day you fucking die, and then then the world will hit you like a ton of bricks. I guarantee that. Yeah, and when you're young as well, like you don't realize you're not exposed to as much death, you know. So you, it's kind of like mm. you feel untouchable, and you're not exposed to it. So it's kind of you haven't been touched by death. Um, I saw a picture of a guy going to war. It was a picture of him before going to war, and a picture of him after World War One, and, and his face was like totally sunken in and he was emotionally mauled by by war and it's just in, it was like a caption on instagram someone said you know if you touch war war touches you back and i thought that was brilliant and it's the same thing with death right if you're exposed to it it definitely changes you and it, and it scars you and it but it also makes you very aware that everything is very fragile and people are fragile and life is fragile and it can be taken away organisms can be destroyed very quickly through cancer, through bacteria, through viruses, through accidents, through whatever, right? You're going to go right. on a tangent. You, you talk about um, things like penicillin and and things like that, like things that kill bacteria. Like back, the bacteria are starting to become, um, what do you call it? Penicillin re resi resilient, resilient or resistant, resistant, resistant yeah. bacteria and stuff like that. So even those things are starting to become just as serious. Viruses are a little bit different, but... As, as I said before, like the, there are experts out there, take your car to a mechanic to get the mechanic to look at it. You go to a doctor to make him look at your heart. You go to a virologist to, to talk to him about how viruses work. You don't turn around and say, oh, no, you're trying to control me. You're, you're injecting nanobots into me. It's just insane how 
any part of society could feel like that. That same person will go to the mechanic to get him to fix the car because he has no idea what the fuck he's doing. That's the problem with social media right now. It's kind of like everybody's got an opinion. People are you know, motivated or controlled by fear. You know, there's a lot of misinformation and, it's, and it, it propagates this kind of fear mentality or, or kind of doubt in this. And these opinions that have no real truth are being held up and respected or they're being propagated as, and they're being masqueraded as, as yes. truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's yeah. just fooled a lot of people like, bro, you do not see doctors on Facebook writing responses to the, the response to people's threads on Facebook. You don't see doctors like live streaming from their, you know, from their, their offices, from their. Con- con- it is some. Well, it's very rare. I think very rare. <laughs> mm. You see anyone that's actually really educated on there giving out that information because they they've got their lives to live and they're not they're not playing around with Facebook and they get paid to work and they're not going to benefit by putting their opinions and they're not going to expose themselves to be vulnerable and they get torn down by people that are uneducated and they're going to criticize them and say they're idiots. This Fauci guy. This Fauci guy is a bloody hero. I don't doubt he works twenty hour days. He's, he was involved in the AIDS epidemic. He's pretty much been involved in every epidemic since then in America. So he is like the elite of, of all academics on this topic. And you've got he's people constantly. questioning his, his opinion. And he's so calm and collected and people attack him. And I'm just like, this guy is such, if, any, if anyone was a genius, he'd be one of them, you know, just so calm, collected and so knowledgeable. Yeah, yeah, we make mistakes. Graceful. Mistakes happen. We can't see what's going to happen in the future. And yes, we are going to make mistakes, but that's just inevitable, you know? Yeah, and he always premises with the same thing. Like at the moment, the science is telling us this and the mm. general recommendations is to do this. You know, when we, get more, if, yeah, when we get more information, that may change. But at the moment, mm. this is what we're suggesting people do. And like, you know, he's mm. very, very graceful. Um, very graceful, you know, I agree. Um. Should we listen to maybe one more little bits of Jordan Peterson and, and see what Skip other- through it because he's got too much crap to talk about. Skip through to where he says he thinks it's a theological debate and it's an individual choice. What would you do if you were permanent president or whatever? Okay. I, there. Think, I think it's, yeah. I have to ask the question. If, if we were to make your Jordan Peterson the president <laughs> of the, the world and these were your decisions to make, do you know what you would have done um, differently or in response to this virus emerging in Wuhan? I would say, well, thank you for the offer, but I declined the position. And the reason I would say that is because I think the right solution to the most serious problems is to be found at the level of the individual. So I don't think if I wanted to pursue what I regarded as the ultimate goal, the ultimate goal for me is the encouragement of the individual. And that's that's not essentially a political enterprise. It's essentially a theological enterprise. And politics has to be subordinate to that. And so I've debated throughout the entire course of my life whether I would adopt a political career. It was my initial ambition when I was very young, 14, I would say. Yeah. I've heard it three times now. And that, yeah, it kind of, it does touch pretty deep. He He has got a point. He has got a point. It's a theological debate. If you want to talk about the separation of church and state, yeah, okay, that's one thing. But a theological debate, so you've got your own mortality in your hands. Yeah, I'll give him that. I'll give him that. Yeah, but I don't think it's like in the context of what he's saying about theological, like what what does that mean to you? Does that mean that um, based on what religion 
that you have and based on what ethics you hold, it should be something personal to you and how you see the world through that lens of, through that religious lens. Is that what he's trying to say? Is that what he's trying to say? I know. I'm glad we cut out that last four minutes because I reckon he spoke a lot of shit there. He started out that 50-50 thing was probably the smartest thing he said in the whole thing. Have we done the right thing? Have we done the wrong thing? We don't know. 50-50. Yeah, 100%. That's probably the smartest thing he said. And then I think this last thing is what has really sort of hit me when he sort of says it's up to the individual. And again, we live in this society. It's called division of labor. You know, we, we wouldn't have the society we had today if we all had to make our own shoes, had to make our own clothes, had to cook our own food, had to make our own TVs. We just don't live in a society where that happens. As soon as, uh, you know, 10,000 years ago in Mesopotamia, they decided to, you know, one person, one person grows the crops, one person, you know, makes the pottery, one person, you know, makes the wine, one person makes the clothes. Once division of labor happened, society took off. So when people become specialized in their fields is when, um society becomes so technologically advanced and there's a level between uh, we have to trust the people who have the knowledge and understanding as we said before we trust the people who say wear seat belts and stop at red lights and and don't drink and drive because okay under penalty we kind of have to but um to sort of say he, he has kind of got a point but I think, I think there has to be this next level of like, if you want to live like that, you've got to cut yourself off out of community. If you, if you want to live outside of the community, fucking go into a commune, you know, go to a commune where you're all going to go get the fucking uh, influenza or whatever and fucking get sick and see who lives and dies. Yeah. Well, Remove makes- yourself from society. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. You know, I don't know. Like, no, but I don't want to, because I like all the pros and cons that come with society. I just don't like this one. Yeah, because you're you're basically saying there's no consideration for the collective. There's no consideration mm. for the, the 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 effect of your personal behaviors, decisions. Ignorance. Yeah, ignorance or ethics on the on the collective. Is that mm. what you're saying? Yeah. So there's people who have full time jobs that work next to the, the government all day long. As I said, as we said, Fauci, no doubt he works 20 hours a day. His full time job is to be the most intelligent, most well read academician on this topic so we just have to trust him you know it's just what we have to do if we just let everything fall apart we'd be back in mesopotamia again wouldn't we but i don't understand how it's got anything to do with theology maybe i'm missing something here in the sense people he's talking about the individual he's trying to bring god into the topic he's he's got my argument my my problem with him is i don't understand how that works i don't understand how the theological argument Yeah, okay, but like, what's his argument like that? You know, based on you and you as an individual and your relationship with God and how you see the world, that depends on how I decide to to battle. No, no, like God decide who kills and who lets live. You know, so you're saying that live and die, right? So you think there's that aspect to it as well? He's saying that perhaps that potentially, yeah, perhaps that like what we believe in uh, and our relationship with God. And what God decides to do will depend on how we interact with this, uh, with this virus and the, 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 the dynamics of our, this, our choices and experiences. Is that what he's, is that what he's saying? My, my bias is that he is playing to an audience and his general audience would be right-wing Christian and he's trying to get them on side. Um, I don't doubt that he agrees with that because he always talks about Dostoevsky and how atheists can't have morals, which I totally find abhorrent. But... 
I think he totally believes that what he says and the only justification that I can give to it is, yeah, let God sort it out. You know, I feel like we can leave God out of this because I feel like, you know, we, we can talk about ethics. He could talk about ethics without God. I don't think God, the theological debate is helping because then it kind of justifies, well, I have this relationship with God and therefore my decisions and my ethical compass is, is in this direction. Therefore, this is the right thing to do with me. But really ethics to me, or it should encompass, oh, yeah, mm. morality and ethics should encompass not just yourself, but also other people, right? So it's kind of mm. a little bit short-sighted to say, I have this relationship with God, therefore I believe this and whatever anyone else does doesn't matter. I don't think that's that's very, um, I don't think that's very- And a- that's, if, if, if you want to go that far, if you look at like the Ebola virus and you go into wherever the hell it was, um, the, the Republic of Congo, the reason why a lot of people were dying was because they were sticking to their- the religious customs and when the person would die they would you know wash the body out they would clean the orifices out they would they would go through the whole body and then they would get infected by the virus themselves so then the, the who had to go around and tell everyone not to do this yeah. and then you know they'd get handed out of town saying you guys are the devil you're from from hell get out witches and demons and stuff like this <laughs> yeah because like a, 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 a religious perspective sometimes can completely ignore the science or sometimes it can encapsulate both but sometimes if we don't if we don't clean our body the way we have been doing for the past thousand years our our person our loved one's going to hell you know how dare you tell us not to do that It's, it's a good point for people to be aware of because you know when you have a relationship with god or you have a culture and a custom you know sometimes we need to look at that critically and then say is that really is that really effective um, or is that really the best option? Because sometimes it's, mm. it's not the best option. If you think in that sense, like it's, it is a bit rude to prefer, you know, the Western world to walk into a, a, Conga, a Congonese town and say, we're burning all these bodies because they're infected. You know, don't you think we could find a middle ground where we're going to say, will you let us in our hazmat materials clean the bodies out and, and, and do the ethical thing and look after that your people the way that you need them to be looked after if you really needed to be done that way. But maybe there's a, there's a middle ground somewhere, but um i think the main clincher was for me the the separation of church and state it should be a theological issue and personally i totally disagree with what he was saying a theological or a secular issue it should be a secular issue definitely it should be a scientific issue issue. yeah okay you said theological it should be Oh, sorry. Well, it should be a scientific issue either way. It should be totally based on the science. Okay. Another problem is um, people always take the, the the topic back to thalidomide. You know thalidomide? No. Tell me who he is. Women women used to get uh, morning after sickness when they were pregnant, and um, these clever doctors in Bayer or whatever country company it was started putting out these pills, and, and these kids were getting born deformed, you know, with like flippers for hands and feet and things like oh, that. God, governments governments didn't test the test the the the, the, the drug properly uh, through a lot of different countries, and a lot of kids died and suffered severely, and that's that's a big. Um, issue against this particular situation um i think america was safe because like whoever was in control of um the epidemiology at the time said no it hasn't been tested properly through this particular system so we're not going to let it into this country but other countries did let it in um my only argument against that is that was such a totally different situation you know we've been we've been doing vaccines you know since what was his name bloody 
uh, I've got it here, Ed, Edward Jenner. Edward Jenner back in 1796 created the first vaccine and we've been doing them for 200, 300 years now. So it's a bit of a totally different situation. Joe Rogan had a doctor on his podcast the other day and they were talking about in the United States how pharmaceutical companies have ridiculous amounts of power when it comes to studies mm. um, studies and information and, and how they influence academic journals. And he was saying that the doctor was saying, the yeah, he wrote a book about how um, you know, pharmaceutical companies would run the test, they'd do all the testing, uh, and then they would run the studies, and then they would have the data, and then they would, they would uh, sometimes, yeah, manipulate the data, and then drugs would become available that really shouldn't, and then that kind of shit would happen, and then later mm. on, you know, they'd make a couple of billion dollars, and then they would get sued, and they would lose, like, you know, they'd get sued. Yeah, for maybe like they pharmaceutical companies, I think Jordan Peterson said this the other day, have some of the biggest lawsuits against them, right? In 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 the world. And they would lose a billion dollars, but still end up making like people would die. No one goes to jail, company still operates. Um, you know, they would still make like a billion dollars worth of profit, mm. but that you know, mm. but in the meantime, you know, people people are giving birth to babies that are deformed. It's it's crazy. Uh, that was mm. a good, that was a good podcast, but let me ask you this, man. Like, cause I know you that you like this question. What do you think's dangerous about Jordan Peterson? Or what do you think is dangerous about this type of rhetoric? Like when you see this stuff on social media, when you see this stuff, um, you, when you see the way that people talk, whether it's talk back radio or people, uh, you know, academic people, you know, putting together these type of arguments, what do you think the, the, the real danger or the, the damage do you think that it's doing to, to society? I have a particular problem with Jordan Peterson in general because he has a lot of self-help videos and he's helped lots of people and I don't doubt that. So, I, I, you know, give him cheers for that. Kudos for that. He's helped a lot of people. And if, if he's helped a lot of people, that, that's only good. But um, I think he's hiding behind this bias, this, this you know, far right wing bias, you know, anti left wing, anything that's kind of mildly left wing as a communist, you know, going to turn into a Stalinist Gestapo fucking regime of um, what do you call it? Concentration camps and whatever the hell the Russians had. Um, so he starts out as the nice guy that, you know, helps you out of your depression, but then, and he sounds quite intelligent. He says a lot of very, you know, complex, supercilious words, which everyone feels really clever when they hear because they'll, go they'll Google it because I'm, I'm one of those people. I hear a new word, I feel really clever. Um, so he gets them on side and then, then he sides with, you know, the right wing and, you know, kids in their 20s, kids in their 20s and early, late 20s are angry at the world. They, they don't like the way that, you know, they're being forced into doing things and they, they want to fight. I was the same. I wanted to go out and I wanted to be a, live in the bush and be like an Aboriginal and kill animals and, and do that kind of stuff. So I think he's attacking that market and he's, he's got them well on side and everyone thinks he's an absolute genius. So pretty much anything that he says is infallible. So I think he's picked a good market. He's, he's, he's gotten in pretty well. And yeah, he's, he's, he's sort of taking society away from being you know, empathetic, compassionate and understanding and it's us against them. Right. So he's, he's sided with the very right wing conservative. Um, he's, he's creating perhaps maybe some logical fallacies or, or just misinformation or just uh, skewed arguments. And um, yeah, demonizing the other side is, is what else. I, yeah. Yeah. Demonizing, mm. scapegoating the, the, the left. 
Um, pretty, pretty much what he says is if we let them have one step, we're all going to be in gulags. If we let those socialists, anyone with a socialist agenda, anyone that wants to um, give free healthcare to anyone, that kind of thing, or, you know, call someone who's a little bit, you know, looking a bit differently, a they, or, you know, use a different pronoun, we're all going to end up in gulags. And that is almost the ep- epitome of 1984 for me, you know. He's yeah. almost the one pushing pushing the agenda. How dare you? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. it's it's, bec- it's become very political and it's it's not good discourse. It's not good a good discourse of giving a balanced argument of two sides. Even using this type of language, you know, fifty percent of Democrats think this, and fifty percent of you know that's that's not. Mm. Yeah, it's not good language. Convenient. Yeah, it's very polemic and it's it's very inflammatory. It's it's very um, di- divisive, right? Like regarding that question, like what is the danger about, you know, this type of rhetoric? And this is something that you've mentioned to me privately. You've, you've mentioned that this type of rhetoric can be quite dangerous for people that are for influential, people that are malleable, people that are looking for, people that are angry. Like, what do you think the damage is to the psyche of, of young people that, you know, what would you say to listeners in the sense of being wary about how that how these these opinions can you know permeate your sub, you know your your own ideologies and what they do to you as a, as an individual. I'd like not to think about it. I'd like to think that they grow up like me and become quite empathetic, compassionate human beings, and and not think like that anymore. But there's a potential that you know they could go further right wing and. I feel, I feel like in places like Australia and Canada, where he's from and in Western Europe, we're all pretty good because we've got this middle middle line between capitalism and socialism where, you know, the rich can be greedy and fat and fucking whatever they want and the poor can still be looked after. But I think in places like America, it can become it can become a real big problem because there's a lot of a lot of rich. There's, there's a little bit of rich and there's a lot of poverty. And I think it can drive people into far, far ends of the spectrum. I think in countries where everyone's pretty comfortable, it's harder to shift people's perspective because, you know, we, we might get influenced by it and watch it on YouTube and go, yeah, we agree with that dickhead, but it's not really affecting our lives. But if you come from a place in America yeah. where they believe more of like, you know. I take politics uh, very seriously. Yeah, we, what is it? <laughs> uh the, the the government that rules least you know is the best. the best government rules yeah kind of thing so mm. that kind of thing so i yeah, think it could be I dangerous think- in some countries but I, I feel like in other countries it probably doesn't have that much of a, a problem yeah okay i think that's that's fair um as long as our countries stay in the situation that they're in because you know all all, all, all the constitution or, or all that makes a country is is a bit of paper as we saw on January 6th in America, if, if a riot decides to go in and knock down a building, they can go and do it. Yeah. Do, do you think that Jordan Peterson, like at some level, maybe, you know, like after he finishes this kind of stuff, if he's talking to the everyday person, he's, he's a little bit more empathetic and like saying what well, he might use, he might talk about issues saying, well, people generally feel like this, like this kind of language yeah, of probably. like, you know, re- so. Republicans do this and Democrats do this. I don't know. To be honest, mm-hmm. What I've seen is I, I think I've, he's got this kind of psychosis of the sec, of of, of um, what do you call it the Cold War. He's got a Cold War psychosis thing going on. In what way? Can you explain that? Well, he's he's his mind is constantly filled with 1984. He thinks if if we let the left take one step, you know, the whole world's going to end up like 1984, like crazy communists, controlled Stalinist uh, Russia, yeah, authoritarian yeah. state. 
if we yeah. let the government take any control, then they're going to take all the control and we're not going to be, be free and we're not going to be able to do whatever we want. Yeah, okay. Which isn't what society is about. We shouldn't be able to do whatever we want. No, we shouldn't. We are part of the collective. We have more rights. No, we have more responsibilities than we have rights. Yeah. And that, he says that himself. He says that himself for fuck's sake. Yeah, it's crazy how like people are really, everybody wants the same thing ultimately, but it's crazy how we're, we're also divided in lots of different ways and we put mm. labels and, and create these divisions. You know, I, I think to myself, it's kind of it's kind of ironic that we fight against each other, but really we should be fighting against perhaps um, mm. corruption in government, perhaps corruption with, mm. you know, uh, mm. unethical companies and, and uh, worldwide corruption and people yeah. destroying the planet. Bigotry. And, yeah and racism and, and trying to like uh heal the world and work together to get rid of poverty and maybe stop some mm. wars but instead we're all worried about our neighbor has a different political view than what we do and we see them as the enemy when really we should be on mm. the same trying trying to hold the government accountable for wasting all their money on the spending half the budget on the military and mm. and um mm. owing billions of dollars and borrowed money with which is all um which is all favors and connections and rub, rubbing shoulders mm. and 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 corruption um good luck on that one yeah i re i reckon but like that's i think that's the goal and like what would you mm. say to like a 20 year old person a 25 year old young man or woman about like what would you say to them if, if they were to listen to jordan peterson or, or that kind of rhetoric do you feel like these these people are considered to be like demigods and infallible and and you know people to worship or you know what would you Forget say to me. these people I I, I, I just, I don't want to say it. I don't mean it. You know, I don't like Jordan Peterson. I don't mean it. I just, I can't think of a better word, but you know, for some reason, Jordan Peterson videos come up on my YouTube feed all the time. And that's not part of my echo chamber. My echo chamber is all pretty left-wing centralist kind of, not even that it's art. It's, it's, it's culture, it's history, it's things like that. So I don't know why I get political videos, but if you look at any comment section on a Jordan Peterson video, it's he's the smartest man that's ever lived. He saved my life. He's a genius. He's a God. Every single comment, he is the Messiah. And I'm just, as, 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 as soon as someone tells me this person is a genius or this person is great, I get this, my ego attacks it. And I'm just like, fuck you. He's got like, I'm because I want to be the genius, you know, all those kind of things. So what I would say is, um, Oh man, you know, we're all fallible. Everyone's fallible. Everyone makes mistakes. Oh, yeah. And to be to a 25 year old, that's weird. Just to be just compassionate and empathetic and have understanding for other people's views. Hmm. I was going somewhere, but kind of, I lost track by getting too vitriolic just there. <laughs> Don't put people on a pedestal for one thing. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as someone tells you they have all the answers, that means they have none of the answers. You know, when you, when you come across as very intelligent and academic, we tend to naturally be somewhat intimidated by these, by these characters Hopefully. because, you know, they, they, they just, it's like, oh, it's like a teacher when you're a kid. This person has so much knowledge that, that I don't have. Therefore, we must think that that person is someone that we need to respect or uh, at least no. listen to, right? But really, you like, find the, sm the smartest people in the world usually don't say anything. Well, the yeah, smartest what, people in the world usually keep their mouth shut and mind their own fucking business. You've got to get it out of them. They're not going to tell the whole world. Well, that's true because there's no they they understand that they, they don't really benefit by trying to to convince you to believe. In they something. know they don't like. Think of Socrates. The Socrates. The whole thing with Socrates was 
someone told him once that um, he was the smartest man in the world. So he went to the, to the Delphi, the Oracle at Delphi, and he said, why did you say that I'm the smartest man in the world? It's just because, it's because you admit that you know nothing. You know? Yeah, that's a beautiful story. I don't really understand what's going on. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly asking questions. I'm never going to tell you the truth. I'll keep on, I'll ask you until we get to rock bottom. And then we're still not going to have the answer because times are changing. It's all relative. Yep. And I think that's a good argument. I would wrap this up by saying to, to young people that, you know, make sure that you cr critically think and analyze and don't believe everything that you hear just because it Question comes out. Everything of, for all, forever. Absolutely. And just because it comes out of someone's mouth that is able to eloquently express it and it seems to be an articulate academic argument doesn't mean it isn't chronically flawed with false fallacies, logical fallacies. And it doesn't mean that it's just, yeah, just complete bullshit, basically. Um, and it just, it just wrapped up nice in a package and that you have to remember that everyone has a bias. Everyone has an agenda. Everyone yourself. has yourself. Absolutely. You know, we do. And a lot of people won't like listening to us because we're going to come across as too left wing or, you know, too kind of socialist, you know, but really, you know, I think about it. It's, 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 it's not like that at all. Everybody wants the same thing, but you've got to be really careful that, what do people really want? What are they motivated by? You know, are they putting together arguments because they want fame? Do they want clicks? Do they want accreditation? Like, do they want um, acknowledgement? What do they really want? So I don't know. You got to take it all as face value. Uh, you got to take it all. You got to take it all very, very carefully and process it very, very carefully and decide for yourself what is right or what is what things you're going to stand by, what things you're going to reject. Even that, like myself personally, like I've got this thing in my head that, you know, I'll, I'll say something like, man, I'm so smart. And then the second later, I'll be like, fuck, I'm an idiot. You know, like I've got this thing in my head, which constantly gives me the reverse answer to everything that I say. And I think we should all do that with everything. With Every time you hear someone say something, you should try and find the opposite, opposite argument and then find the opposite argument to that and try and do that it ad infinitum to the end like to its possible conclusion logical conclusion so yeah. you know and i and i you know like i i want to make sure that i say this too is that i've got no disrespect to jordan peterson everybody has a bias you know like mm -hmm. i can fervently disagree with the way that he's using language but ultimately he's just trying to convince people to believe what he believes and i think that he ultimately comes from a good place you know, but I think that Jordan Peterson, I don't want to say he's lost his way. I think that, you know, he hasn't lost his way. You love Jordan Peterson. I know I, you used to love him anyway. I do have, like, I like a lot You're of You're so pro, Jordan. You are so Joe Jordan Peterson. This is the first Just clip that I've watched. This, that's true. And then that's, that's a good point. And thank you for bringing that up. This is the first video that I've watched. And I'm like, wow, I am so disappointed by the, the, the discourse of argument that he's offering here. Because I know that underneath underneath this he's motivated by the desire to be uh, a good citizen help society and give individuals the, the the capacity to be critical thinkers and decide what, what's best for them and society but i think that sometimes he's um i think he's a little bit off the mark sometimes and and that the language is not the the the, the most appropriate or the most efficient and i think jordan peterson you know, like I would say to Jordan Peterson, if I met him, I'd say, bro, I wouldn't say bro, I'd say, Dr. Peterson, I'd love to see you talk <laughs> and, and, yeah. and, and consider the, yes, yeah, sir, consider the, hum, the, the, the humanity, the, the humanity out of people 
and and the, and keep a philosophical stance and please don't play politics right you know you're you're above that you know you don't want to be a, a politician because you want to operate in a place that you feel uh, successful and uh, effective you know let's keep the politics out of it and encourage good discourse critical thinking and have a positive effect because you have a platform but I want to, I hope people who, if anyone's listening to this podcast, will listen to all the way to the end of this, because I'm going to admit Steve as being the better man here. He's being much more sort of compassionate, empathetic. He's being well-rounded, intellectual, academic. I'm being very emotional. I have a, a strong bias against Jordan Peterson, and that is not my particular personality. Normally I do take things more in the middle middle road so i congratulate you steve-o on being the more rounded responsible man in the room today you've done you definitely i think i'm kind of jealous of your stance because i feel like a, a hysterical <laughs> being quite hysterical <laughs> well i appreciate you saying that and the reason that i chose this clip was because i knew that would get that that emotional response out of you and and it would it would cause it would provide the the environment for a, a good conversation so i admit i admit i'm wrong with how aggressive i get with it i just wish i could be a bit more calmer and accept your kind of you know calmness when it comes to sort of thinking about it well it is frustrating e eloquence it is, it is it is frustrating because you know from people that we admire and people that are very educated we we sort of hold them to a higher standard um and it is it's it's just disheartening so you know, I think I think we both just want to see a little bit of less of that happening in social media and a little bit more academic discourse and, and people influence that discourse. Yeah, mm. in a, in a, in a, in, a, in a bit more of a humane way. I think that's that's mm. all. But um, I admire your vitriol, Alan, because <laughs> I feel like you know the the vitriol comes from a place of passion, um, and it comes from a place of you know maybe we should do better as a society. Maybe we should do better. And maybe we should do better on social media because I, I feel that's a bit of a waste zone, but I, I know that's a, a conversation for another podcast. Today, yeah. But I, again, I apologize for my, um, my biased perspective, but I'll, I'll learn. Hopefully through the, through the course of this podcast, I'll learn to be a bit more even-minded, even even-handed when it comes to um, people's perspectives. I'm still, I still disagree with him either way. Mm. And, it, anyway, and it's, it's your, yeah. it's, it's your mm. autonomous individual right as a theological mm. being to disagree. <laughs> Secular being. <laughs> Secular, theological, uh, you know, agnostic, you know, whatever you might be on the, on the scale. Thing. Bag of, bag of atoms and molecular DNA strands. That was the Examine Life podcast. End of podcast. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.